Welcome to Behind the Scenes, the podcast. My name is Alex. I'm a mom, a personal development coach, a business consultant, an artist, and I'm also autistic with a lovely sprinkle of ADHD. I love knowing the why behind the what, and I want to encourage you to do the same, especially when it comes to our relationship with ourselves and others. Think of this podcast as your sign to elevate yourself to your unapologetically best and most authentic self. We're going to tear down the labels and masks while creating new ways to define and accept our own humanness. Let's ask more questions, dig deeper, get to know the opposing viewpoint, find out the why behind the what, go behind the scenes with ourselves, others, and the world around us. Hi, sunshines. I hope y'all have had a great week. Um, I don't know about you, but I felt like these last few weeks have been really intense. Uh, and I know for a lot of us, these past few years have been really intense, but I feel like these past few weeks have just really packed uh, an extra big punch, if you will. And I know, I know there's a lot going on, you know, astrologically and and energetically right now and just really feeling it. So I wanted to just kind of start today off with basically a reminder to just stop at some point today, whether you want to pause this podcast right now and take 30 seconds and just do some deep breathing. Do some six count breaths where you breathe in nice and deep for six counts, hold for one, and then exhale for six counts. And just really just ground yourself and check in with your body. You know, not, you don't have to go, you know, out and do anything crazy and and big and make it this long meditation process. But just at some point today, take 30 seconds and just ground yourself back down. Um, I know sometimes we get kind of wrapped up in life and we just kind of go, go, go. And that's one of those things that I have started to adopt into my everyday life. Like when I'm starting to feel rushed or hurried or hectic or overwhelmed, I just take a pause for 30 seconds, really focus on my breathing, check in on my body do kind of a quick, like, okay, when's the last time I ate? When, how, you know, how much sleep did I have? What potential triggers am I being exposed to? What sensory overloads could possibly be having? Um, and just do a quick check-in with yourself, especially as, you know, springtime is right around the corner and, regardless of anything else that's going on in the world, our lives tend to start getting a little bit more hectic, uh, in the springtime, you know, winter, everybody kind of slows down with the exception of, you know, the holidays. But as we go into springtime, you know, our, the sun's going to be out more. We're going to be starting to do more in the evenings. Just make sure you're checking in with your body here and there. Okay. So, This week, I wanted to talk about uh, a ripple effect that I believe would begin healing our world. And I feel like that's a very big statement to make, um, but it's, it's something that I fully believe in. 
And I think um, at the root of it, and, and we're going to, I'm just warning you now, okay? Warning you now. I am going to tangent and jump around and hop around and hope and pray to God that this translates on the other end. Um, but at the root of this, I think us as a species, as a society, as a culture have to get to a point where we're comfortable having hard conversations with each other in a non-hostile way. And I, I I am kind of baffled that we haven't been able to get to this point yet, but I think the reason that we're unable to have those hard conversations with other people is because we aren't comfortable enough with our own selves. We're not at a level of comfort within who we are that we can have those conversations with people in a non-confrontational and non-aggressive way. And before you get your panties in a ruffle, okay, just hear me out because I was in this boat. So I, I have this question in my, in my head and I keep thinking like, what, what would happen if we got to a point in our own humanness where we learned to live with the duality of life in the same space? If you've listened to a couple other episodes, um, especially the ones where I talked about, you know, like my childhood and, and a couple different things like that, you know, that, um, during my childhood, there was a lot of duality in my life. You know, there was the outward image that uh, I was expected to portray and that my parents and family portrayed when we were out and about and doing things and going to church and going to functions and all of the things. And then when we got home, there was uh, a very different narrative that played out at home. And so as I got older and I was becoming an adult and starting my own family, I wanted so badly to not have that duality in my life. But what ended up happening was I pushed so hard to, you know, not have those bad parts, those icky parts, those uncomfortable parts, a part of the equation whatsoever. I wanted to suffocate them out. I wanted to never touch them again. And in my mind, if I just created distance from toxicity or from bad habits and things like that, that everything would just be fine. But what was happening was I wasn't necessarily creating a duality in my external life, but I was creating, not even creating, but there was a duality within me because I hadn't really dealt with some of the things that had hurt me in my past. And so I, you know, what I portrayed on the outside, you know, externally within myself, what I portrayed externally was definitely uh, extremely different than the internal battle and conflicts that were going on inside of me. And um, that was really unhealthy. And so I think, you know, I, I, and I know I'm not the only person that's gone through this. It's, it's not just my childhood. We all have 
had stuff happen to us, whether it was in childhood or adulthood. We've all gone through shit. We've all had demons that we've had to face. And we want so badly to just shove them down and think, oh, that, you know, if if anybody finds out, that makes me less than. You know, oh, because because I had to fight that demon, you know, I'm less than, and now it's a scarlet letter. But what if we could get to a point where not only have we had to face that demon and move past it, but instead of fighting it, um, instead of just surviving it, what if we learn to embrace it? And yeah, I, especially thinking back to, you know, some terminology that was used when I was growing up, you know, fighting your demons and conquering them and, and, I grew up in a very conservative Christian church. And so there was, it had probably a lot of like Pentecostal vibe, charismatic vibe to it. Um, And so, you know, that kind of stuff was very common language for me. And I think, you know, instead of saying, I need to repress, I need to shut that down, or I need to decorate that. I need to make it as aesthetically pleasing as possible. So it blends into the accent walls. Um, that way, instead of stand, so that way, instead of it standing out and being overt, overtly, blah, 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 so that way it doesn't stand out or be overtly noticeable. What if instead we were honest about those dark sides of us, you know, not just in like a matter of fact, type of way, but on a real deep level, and then are able to acknowledge that that doesn't define who we are. That doesn't define me. That doesn't define who I am. In actuality, it's a definition of how powerful I am. This is you know, how confident I am in my own ability to keep facing the bullshit that comes at me. What if instead we start to make a safe space within ourselves for that inner child to speak up? Because the more we allow our inner child to speak up and the more grounded we are in who we actually are and who we're called to be and the purpose that we're actually here on this earth to do. And we take those dark spots and we embrace them and we hold them tight and we hug them and we love them. And we say that that does not invalidate who you are. That's not deep down who you are. And then we're able to have those hard conversations within ourselves I think when we're able to fully embrace who we are while still continuously working to improve, that's when we get opportunities to be able to have those uncomfortable conversations with others. We've got to come to terms with our own demons in our lives. Because for some of us, it's not just, you know, a crack in the floor that we're trying to come over, you know, like cover up with a rug. For some people, they're fighting much bigger demons. They're fighting, you know, anxiety and depression and shame and guilt and grief. And they're fighting this battle silently a lot of times. I know for many, many years, that's exactly what I did. I just fought 
the shit silently in my own head. And you've heard me talk about that before, but you know, when, when I say fight my demons or when I, let me back up, when I say I've conquered my demons or I say we need as a culture to conquer our own individual demons inside of us, here's the imagery that plays in my mind. You know, when we're battling a demon, so to speak, I picture this wild, rabid, manic, gnashing animal that is just chomping at the bit, trying to get at me, trying to tear me to pieces, trying to take over my life, trying to run the ship. And I think for a lot of people, when you think of a demon, you're going to think of something very similar. And so what I picture happening in my head and just my brain works best in cartoons. So you guys get to see some of my cartoons here, um, or not see them, hear about them, I guess is a better way to say that. But what I, what I see in my head is when, you know, when you see a stray dog who has been beaten and tormented and poked at and degraded and starved and not given any affection for so long, that dog becomes vicious, right? And I think that's the same thing that happens internally with us. And that's where these inner demons come into play. And I think when we can take a pause and actually sit with those darker spots, it doesn't happen just one time, right? It's not just like a, a one-time sitting at the coffee shop and, you know, reading a intensive self-help book and then we're good to go. Like that's, it, it's going to be a process, you know, getting a dog that was abused for years to trust a human again it's a process. It's and it's a gentle process and it's a slow moving process where you're just slowly wading in. You know, you may leave food out and water out consistently and then try to sit next to the dog while they're eating the food and drinking the water and then slowly start to work in um you know, affection and petting and cuddling and and slowly starting to get into some of those things where the dog is learning that it can now trust you as the human again, right? And then over time, as we continue to love that dog and care for it and really show that dog that we're going to be there to take care of him, that he can trust us fully, and we're going to give him all the love and food and shelter and support and, you know, kind words and, protection that it could possibly need, eventually that temperament of the dog starts to change, right? And it becomes this dog who is very loving to its owner and it's, you know, very affectionate to its owner. And in a lot of cases, that dog is very loyal and becomes very protective of its owner because it saved him, right? So when I talk about healing I, I picture all of these 
neglected dogs running around on the inside. And they're just frantic and they're scared and they're vicious and they're chomping. And so when we're dealing with those silently, it's this slow process. But as we start to sit with those darker spots, as we start to sit with, you know, the past and the situations and relationships and words and events that have happened over the course of our lives, and we really start to understand what exactly hurt us and why it hurt us, you know, really start to understand some of those triggering moments in our past and maybe start to connect the dots to why certain events in our present happen to trigger that specific dog to get riled up, we can do better at loving that dog because we understand where it's coming from. We understand the hurt that it's been through and what it's honestly expecting to happen again because of previous experiences. So as we sit with it and we learn it and we understand it and we're giving it love, it changes from that vicious triggered dog and that transition happens where it slowly fades into this massive dog who's now loyal to us. So that's the imagery that I see in my head when I say, you know, I'm conquering my demons and now my demons are loyal dogs. I think there's also a, another set of dogs that are running in the pack. And I don't know why my brain sits with dogs. It just does. Okay. But I think there's another set of dogs that are in the pack as well within us. And those dogs are the skills and the good moments, the love that we did get, the yeah, th- those are the dogs that have been taken care of and have had a good home since they were puppies. And they are also just as protective and just as loving and caring as the other dogs. They just didn't have to go through the manic phase of this. You know, they were already whole, they were already healthy, they were, you know, in, in good environments. So those are the characteristics and the skills and the the traits and the values, the good ones that we've picked up and we've embraced and and you know, we're, we're proud to walk down the street with. (laughs) Um, and, and so I see both types of these dogs in, you know, the yard of who I am, so to speak. And I think there comes a point where, you know, those dogs that were once manic, they now see that I'm here for them. They've, they've seen how I fight They've seen that I'm the one in charge, that that I'm not going to put up with the bullshit from the rest of the world. I'm, I'm going to have good boundaries for me. Um, they've seen that I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to treat them like everybody else has. And I'm not going to allow future people to continue to repeat bad cycles for me or at me or in my vicinity that may affect me. I'm going to 
love them. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them what they need. And and now they're ready to fight for me. They're now an asset. What would happen if we looked at those dogs as just as valuable as the others? Looked at the dogs that were once manic and are now trained and loyal as just as valuable, if not more valuable than the dogs that have always been trained and loyal. Because if we're being honest, like if I'm being honest, it's the tough shit, like the booty shit, the bad shit that I've been through that has made me 10 times stronger. Because, you know, me today is a culmination of all the days previous, right? And right now I have all of these dogs who are loved and trained and loyal protecting me. And I'm protected by this massive amount of not only internal strength, but spiritual energy behind me and, and not behind me as in back in my past. I mean, right here, right now with me, they're ready to push me. They're ready to protect me. They're ready to tear anybody up who comes at me ready to not just protect me, but also protect my family. And we can look at ourselves and embrace those dark parts for who we are and what we've been through. Because I think those are the parts that we need to love, that we need to heal, that we need to hold, we need to work through. And once we've done the working through, that's when that demon becomes that loyal dog. And I think when we can do that work, we get closer and closer to becoming a whole human being. Get closer to becoming whole mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We're whole because we've healed those dark cracks that we've just been covering up with rugs the whole time. And we don't feel so intimidated when someone else is going through that process. And instead of shutting out and pushing away somebody else's uncomfortable conversation, um, you know, because that makes us think of, you know, the cracks that we don't fully understand. We're able to actually uh, be comfortable having those conversations because not only are we healed, but we've also been in that place before. We get that everybody's got shit that they're going through. And while we may not agree with the way that person is responding to the world around them, we can at least show up with some empathy and be willing to have tough conversations with each other. And I'm not saying have tough conversations as in like calling people out. Like I don't, I think like if we've been asked to be somebody's accountability partner, yes, that's the time and place. But I don't think we can just assume that because we think that we're healed, we now have the stepping stone to call, you know, everybody and anybody out. I think we have to be asked into that environment. But when I say have uncomfortable conversations, I'm talking about having a conversation with somebody that maybe is a completely different viewpoint than the one that I'm currently used to, than the one that I believe in. And those kind of conversations, when we have big conflicts in those types of viewpoints, that's when we see a lot of hostility and aggression. We see that in our world today, all around us, before we can have uncomfortable conversations with others. 
before we can even create space for somebody to have uncomfortable conversations with us. We have to first be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations with ourselves. And the more you're able to do that, you'll see that the more you're able to talk through those bigger topics with other people, you're able to have those conversations without getting fired up, without getting angry or your emotions running wild because your emotions running wild is an indication that your fight or flight has been activated, which means there's a manic dog running around in the yard, right? For the longest time, there were a lot of conversations that used to give me big anxiety like heart racing in your chest, blood pumping, your tummy's nervous, like it's uncomfortable. And we all experience this, like, and our body feels it. Your body is so uncomfortable with it because it doesn't know how to respond to this situation because you haven't had the uncomfortable, hard conversations with yourself. Your body doesn't know how to respond to somebody else's discomfort or to an opposing viewpoint because you haven't learned to find comfort in those hard spaces within yourself. And that's what I want to encourage us to do. Like, let's find that comfort. Let's give ourselves the space to have those conversations and, and don't just have the conversation that you think you're expected to have. Like have the conversations that you need to have. You know, I used to have a lot of opinions and beliefs and stances on a handful of very big topics. Um, And over the past few years, as I've gone through, you know, this massive deconstruction and rebuild period that I talked about last week, I've actually completely shifted those perspectives And now I have very different views on all of it. You know, in Christianity, when Jesus came, he eradicated the Old Testament law. He broke chains of bondage. He said, you're no longer being held to this ritualistic expectation. But it wasn't just breaking bondage from sin and death. It was breaking bondage from action-based faith. And his biggest thing that he said when um, someone asked him how they could get in heaven, he said, love God and love your neighbor like you love yourself. And we've all heard the golden rule, you know, do to others as you would have others do to you, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. But how are we really treating ourselves? We can't love our neighbor any better than we can love ourselves. And if you're not currently loving yourself, including those dark spots, then you're not able to currently love your neighbor. So where does that leave our world? We see these massive divides in our culture right now, and we see laws being passed that are alienating and criminalizing individuals for showing up in the world authentically. They're not hurting anyone. Their life choices are not affecting anybody else except for the people who want to be in their circle, people that they want in their lives. And even then, that's at a very 
minimal level of impact other than who they are as a person. But there are too many people right now who are absolutely losing their shit over somebody else's life that has zero impact on their own. And I think we can all agree that our world and our culture is broken. But fixing our culture doesn't start by changing policies in the Senate. And yes, they need to change, but that's not really going to have the impact that I think we want it to have. It doesn't start by changing laws. I think change in our culture isn't going to happen until each person individually takes accountability for who they are loving themselves to the highest level that they're capable of and continuing to grow so they can love themselves and then in turn give that to others and help others cultivate that same love within their selves. And that starts to become this ripple effect. When I love myself highly enough, I can love others at a higher capacity. I don't think someone who loves themselves, who truly loves themselves, is going to hurt another human being for them just being. And I don't mean love themselves in an arrogant type of way. I mean like whole, sound, well-rounded self-love. Might not seem like at first glance, you know, when I say that somebody who genuinely loves themselves, couldn't hurt or isn't going to hurt another human for just being, it it might not sound like, you know, that goes together, but I don't think somebody who has actually taken the time to love themselves, to heal their brokenness, can look at somebody else and be accusatory, degrading, manipulative, selfish, Look at the happiest people in the world, people who are truly happy. And I'm not talking about like the majority of middle-aged people. I'm not talking about celebrities or millionaires or billionaires or athletes or anything like that. I'm talking about, um, like golden years type of individuals. Like think of like grandparents or somebody in that age bracket, and they are just so happy with life right now. What advice would they give us? I've seen a handful of interviews done where, you know, they're interviewing somebody who's in their golden years and just living their lives and loving their lives. And, you know, they ask them what their advice for the next generation would be. And oftentimes I hear them say, love yourself, be who you are embrace who you are, and then don't give a fuck what other people think about you. Because you loving yourself, that's more than enough. And those people have full relationships. They're not isolated. They're not assholes. They're not, you know, some bitchy women or angry men. They have found peace within who they are And they've healed themselves and they've healed those cracks and they've taken the time to love those dark spots, to love those dogs that once tormented them in their younger years. And now those things that used to be rejected, 
by others, you know, now that they're in the phase of, I don't give a fuck. Now those are assets to their personality. What would happen if we learned that lesson now? What if we didn't wait until our later years to embrace this truth? I think that's when change is going to start happening in our culture. And I think that's when we're going to see that we could actually be a world where everyone feels safe. And I know it's not an overnight shift. You know, just like we talked about with the dog, it's a, it's a slow process. But, but what if we started? And then as we started making that safe space for ourselves, what if we started to make that safe space for future generations? We have to start making the world a safe space for our future generations. Like regardless as regardless of if we're, you know, as a, as a generation, our older generations, if even if we aren't able to do that for ourselves, we have to get to a point where we're able to do that for our future generations. This is something that I think we need to be, you know, teaching our kids how to do. And if you're a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, if you interact with any child in a professional way, if you have kids around you, let's start by making a safe space for them. And you know, making a safe space for our young people, like I would even push that number up to 25. What would happen if we made a safe space for them? They, you know, they still have to do the work. They still have to do their own healing and work on themselves. But what would happen if for, let's say five years, we gave everybody under the age of 25, this free pass And we put them in this little incubator and we say, we're going to give you the space you need and we're going to keep our mouths shut. We're going to give you space. We're going to let you be just who you are. We're going to let you ask the questions. We're going to let you make the statements. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to make you feel anything less than the beautiful human being that you are. And we're going to allow you to explore your own humanness and explore the world around you. And we're going to try to help you find the answers that you're looking for without some, you know, biased input. What would happen in that scenario? You know, to be, if we're honest, we aren't very good at this, um, or we haven't been very good at this over the past few decades. And our world has been spiraling out of control. We think that, you know, as you know, years go on and technology increases. And you know, since cultures have been around so long that, We'll, we get it, that we'll just get it, you know, that we should be so much more advanced. But as a culture, we really haven't advanced at all in some ways. Some of the interaction-based aggression that we see today has been around for centuries. The issues that we're facing today have been around for centuries, and if we're ever going to evolve as a culture, we have to get to a point where we're willing to support the people around us, where we're willing to actually go out and love our neighbor. We're willing to go love our neighbor because we've loved ourselves first. And yes, we want to keep changing. We want to keep growing in our own capacity, but we have to be able to 
at least give that space for others to do their own healing simultaneously. We keep having the same fights and we're not doing anything different. We simply continue to do the same things that humanity has always done over and over and over again. And we expect different responses. We expect a different outcome because now we have cell phones. It starts with us. It starts with each individual person taking accountability for who they are and then showing up in the world ready to love the people around them. And if we want a different response than what we've always gotten for the last few centuries, we need to take a different approach. And if you don't believe me that we're still fighting the same battles, you have not been paying attention to what's going on in the world around you. Things are dressed up differently. They're masqueraded as something new, but it's the same damn issues. We always think, you know, like, oh, who am I to change the world? I'm just one person. But you have a world around you. You have people in your life who need somebody to love them. You have neighbors. And even if everybody listening to this podcast shared this podcast with someone that they love, and that's not because like I'm trying to promote the podcast or anything. That's not where I'm going. But if everybody shared this podcast with someone, and then those two people started the process of loving themselves and were able to show up and love their neighbors in a better way, that ripple effect alone could be huge. Something I want you to remember when you're looking at the world around you, when you're looking at your neighbors, is you don't know if you're the only person in somebody's life who is providing them a safe space we can't just assume that every person has a safe space to run to. We can't assume that every person has a bestie who is willing to let them spill all of their shit. We can't assume that every person, um, you know, has a family that they can go to when they need help or when they're having a hard day. We can't assume that every person was taught or told or grew up in a safe space where they were loved. But yet that's how we treat people. And we you know, almost say this as an expectation. Like, this is the performance norm. Why aren't you meeting it? Why, why aren't you reaching it? Why aren't you performing as you should? And then we take it out on that person. And we tell them that they're stupid, that they'll never amount to anything. Um, and we're really just echoing this, you know, toxic messaging and condemning them. It's this, it's this judgmental and, you know, accusatory and aggressive messaging that has been passed down from generation to generation when we're the ones who are supposed to be keeping each other safe and people that see eye to eye with us or have the same core beliefs as us. It's very easy to create safe spaces for them. Right. But what about the people who we don't necessarily see eye to eye with? What about people who have conflicting beliefs? They're still our neighbors. Why can't we make a safe space for them too? You know, too often we're holding on to these prejudices that honestly we've never really dealt with. We're holding on to this stigma expectation that we've never dealt with in our own lives. And every single person 
at least this is what I believe. I believe that every single person was created different and unique. And we think that that's a bad thing for some reason. And regardless of like what you believe, um, there are so many beautiful and amazing people in this world. And yet we have the audacity to say that some are defective or less than because they look different, because they have different beliefs, because they have different sexual habits, because they have a different perspective on their gender than what you think they should have. And then this cycle just continues over and over and over again. And people hang on to that. They harbor that. And instead of loving others and creating a safe space, our society has allowed this hatred of anything different to take root in our lives as that manic demon. And when it, what it really comes down to is that's a hurting or misunderstood part. That's a demon that's running wild and it's spewing this toxic poison all over the people around you, all over the people who need your love. If our world is ever going to get better, if our world's ever going to change, it starts with us making ourselves safe so that way we can make our neighbors safe. And there's a lot of people who have the mindset of, I take care of me and mine. You know, I take care of me and the people who look like me, who think like me, who pray like me, who talk like me, who date like me, who, who vote like me, have the same preferences as me. And that's the only person that I can associate with or take care of or create a safe space for. When in reality, when somebody has that kind of a posture, that tells me their capacity. I don't have to dim my light in order to sit with someone else in their darkness. I don't have to trade hatred for hatred. I think we all need to realize and remember that the story isn't always what it seems. We don't always know what someone has gone through in order for them to get to the point that they are now in order for them to have the belief system that they have now. We just automatically assume that because it's different, it's wrong. And we can't control other people's healing journey. We can't assume to know where they're at in their healing journey, what manic dogs are running wild for them. You know, we can see little bits and pieces here and there. We can see how they show up We can see how they show up in the world around them. We can see how they show up on social media and, you know, the, the comments that they may leave on somebody's page or post or whatever. And side note, I think it's funny. There's, you know, a handful of people who think not, not even a handful of people. There's a large number of people that think social media is the reason that we have so many issues in the world today. When actually I feel like social media is only amplifying the issues that have always been there. Because when I see somebody show up on somebody's post and can instantly just body shame them or condemn them or completely chew them out and they don't even know that person, but they're willing to show up like that on, you know, from behind a screen, that is more of a reflection of their capacity it's, it has nothing to do with the original post. It has, it say it was my post, you know, and somebody popped into a comment. I, I had somebody the other day, um, react to a reel 
that I had posted, um, with one of those like angry emojis. And then she instantly unfollowed me. It was fantastic. Um, but situations like that show me more of the other person's capacity of where they're at in their healing journey. And I can't control what they do. What I can control is how I'm addressing my own darkness and making sure that, you know, I'm healing enough that I'm not adding shame to the equation. We don't always know what somebody else's story is. We don't know things that they've gone through to get them to the point that they're at today. We don't know what they've experienced. And we also don't know what point of their healing journey they're at. We can't assume to know that. That's honestly a little bit of an uncontrollable. What we can each control though is how we're addressing our own darkness. Are we adding shame to our equation? Yeah, that's what we are going to give to others. If we're shaming ourselves, we're going to in turn shame others for aspects of themselves. I think when we can learn to embrace our our inner darkness and love it, and now it's that loyal companion. And, and I know saying companion is a little bit weird, but like that's really the only analogy that comes to my mind. It's that guard dog imagery still like you never know if you're the only person in somebody's life that has made space for them to be safe for them to be real and raw with the things that they're battling with the wild dogs that they're trying to figure out that have been tormenting them and most times we think that we have to kill the dog we have to kill the demon we have to kill the affliction Instead of embracing it and pulling it in as part of the whole and saying, it's okay, I love you regardless. My anxiety ran really high for the longest time and I always wanted to just push those symptoms down. I wanted to address the symptoms and, you know, basically just shoot it down and ignore it. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Alex, you shouldn't be feeling like this. Alex, why would you beat yourself up about this? Alex, you know, adding all of this, um, shame on myself for not fully believing some of the things that I was told that I should be believing. I'd say, you know, why are you feeling this way about these issues? Why is it stressing you out? Why, you know, why, 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 why? You should be able to cope better than this. You should be able to handle this. Damn it, Alexandra, get your shit together. And that was a dialogue that was going on in my own head. When I was able to change that dialogue and I was able to say, I love you, what's going on? What's happening? And I, I anytime that anxiety would start to build, I started to have um, more of a caring mentality towards myself. And to those spots, those dark spots that were running wild within me, what somebody would call a demon running around in my head, smashing shit up and tearing me apart from the inside out. And I started, I started to stop myself and and say, do you need a hug? And I held it. I held those parts that were being triggered learned why it was being triggered, why it was getting emotional, why I was getting upset, why my fight or flight was being triggered. And I could actually dig in and go behind the scenes with myself and say, okay, I understand now why situations like this affect you so much. Again, this is an internal dialogue. 
And I'm going to keep you safe and I'm going to set you up for success in those moments when you can't avoid them. And learning that piece of me wants to keep myself safe, it made me realize that it's not a dark demon. You know, those pe- when, when my anxiety is peaking, it's because my fight or flight response is being triggered in some way. And, and some part of me inside is feeling unsafe by whatever conflict is coming at me whether it was a, you know, a social interaction or a conflicting belief. And now I've created a safe space for that. It doesn't mean that it, it gets easy. It doesn't mean that I don't still deal with shit. It doesn't, you know, I, I deal with shit every single day, but my perspective is now different. I'm not shaming myself. I'm loving myself. I'm not talking down to myself when I'm overwhelmed. I'm embracing myself and, and tending to myself and making sure that I have what I need, making sure that I have the safety and the affirmations. And I'm reframing things for myself in a much different light. Now I'm dealing with that shit by loving myself through the shit. And now I can't understand how I had some of the perspectives that I once had. I can't understand how I could allow such angry emotions to build up inside me when somebody had an opposing viewpoint that was opposite of what I had been trained was right. But now I can make space to show up with kindness regardless of the situation. Does it mean that I'm not still like, you know, blunt and abrasive? It doesn't mean that I'm pulling myself back or trying to make myself seem less intimidating. It it means that I'm showing up with kindness towards other people because I'm already able to show that kindness to myself. I'm loving my neighbors in the same way I'm loving myself. And we don't get to choose our neighbors, guys. Like we think somehow that our neighbors, you know, are our friend groups and the people that we hang out with or our coworkers or our families. And yes, those are our neighbors, but we tend to limit our neighbors to only those people. And then we start to exclude people from that neighbor box. But in reality, we don't choose our neighbor. Our neighbor is any person that we come into contact with. And I'm not saying don't stand up for yourself. I'm not saying that every person deserves your best love. But what I'm saying is you can choose to show up and give kindness back. You don't have to hurt somebody to stand up for yourself. You can stand up for yourself and not degrade another human being, not harm another human being in the process of keeping yourself safe. And I'm not saying this applies to like toxic people. Like that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm the biggest advocate for separating yourself from toxic people and toxic environments. And you can do that though, in a very kind way. You can do that in a very matter of fact way. You don't have to talk down to them. You don't have to degrade them. You don't have to pull out all their flaws and hang it from the banisters, which is what we tend to do when somebody crosses us or when somebody has a different viewpoint. We say, okay, I'm going to air out all your shit whether that's spreading rumors or making snide remarks on social media. When we make safe spaces within ourselves, we're able to love people in a much better way 
because we're able to draw boundaries for ourselves in a much better way. But what we see in our world currently is just a lot of anger and hostility and aggression. We see hatred before we even attempt to get to know the person in front of us. There's one little thing that throws off the entire mood for us, whether it be the color of their skin, their hair, their piercings, their tattoos, their sexuality, their religious beliefs, their gender, whether they have kids or not, whether they work from home or not, whether they have a big corporate job or not, what kind of car they drive, what kind of people they hang out with, what are their extracurriculars activities. You know, we are constantly just looking for the dividing factors that we don't like. We say, oh, we're too different. We can't do that because, you know, different draws out our demons. It draws out those cracks in our own foundations. It triggers us. And there's a lot of resources in the world about how to go about this healing journey. But I don't, I don't think any of those resources are going to mean shit if we don't actually start using them. And I don't think that there's a one size fits all for everybody. I think this is something that is going to be a process that might be very similar to others, but it's going to be very dependent on what you went through and what you're going through and on the things that you're facing and all the trials that you do have in your life and the areas that you are frustrated with. I think once we can, you know, shift our perspective ourselves and see ourselves as whole, regardless of, you know, the manic and unmanic dogs running in the yard, my demons aren't my demons anymore. I've taken the time to love them and to heal them. And now they're tools that I can use to love the world around me. Anxiety and excitement are the same emotion. The difference is the mindset. It's the same vibration. It's the same intensity, but it's the mindset that changes the outward expression. It's who you are on the inside that changes how it manifests in your life. It's those things that are being allowed to run your life instead of you running your life. And people always say, don't let depression run your life. And they're expecting you to fight it, to punch it, to shove it down, to not give it a voice. When in actuality, when we stop and we give it a voice and we say, you are valid in the way that you're feeling, we allow it to become part of the whole instead of a broken piece that we're fighting off that's when we can start to see a shift in our culture and heal our world. There's a whole bunch of sci-fi movies where they're living in like, you know, alternative utopian environments, Star Trek, for example, like they live in a time where the human race is pretty self-sacrificing. It's completely united, not only with itself, but with other species and planets and cultures from other worlds. And in those movies, we see cultures who are out to take care of the bigger circle. They aren't making decisions that are self-serving. It's not making sure that my beliefs are pushed, not making sure that my stance and my preferences are pushed as the overall best and absolute. It's going from a place of ego to a place of others-centered. And the best way to take care of the world and love our neighbor is by making sure that the collective is taken care of. Because in those societies, the best way to take care of ourselves is to make sure that the collective is taken care of. So when you begin to care for yourself, in doing so, you become and start healing those places 
and those pieces that haven't been cared for before, those pieces that are running around trying to run the ship like anxiety and shame. And when we can take care of those spaces, we naturally become less selfish. It's less about what can I pull in? What can I attain? And it turns into a relaxed, I got this. You're not in survival mode. You're not hoarding while you can. Instead, you're able to give freely because you know that you're sufficient, even when you're in bad times. Some of the most giving people I know aren't crazy rich. They're not free from stress or frustrations in life. They're actually people who face the most gunk in life, and yet they're still able to show up kind. They're still caring, and they're still going to support you. They're still going to be there to cheer you on. And they're also going to be there to let you sit and cry because they've been right there too. They've gone through those trenches. Let's make space for maybe more than what our current circle looks like. Like if you look at your current circle, who you surround yourself with, the environments that you're in, what does that look like? Does everybody look the same? Is there some distinguishing factors to some people in your group that maybe aren't typical for the rest of the group? Is there some true diversity within your world? And I'm not just talking about, you know, small things. I'm not just talking about like, oh yeah, like, you know, they're in finance and I'm in, you know, healthcare. Like, I'm not talking about petty stuff like that. Like I'm talking about, do you have a true diversity within your group? Are there maybe opposing viewpoints within your, within your circle? And it doesn't have to be like your best friend. It doesn't have to be somebody that you spend every day with, but like, are you allowing people into your life in a healthy way that do have alternative viewpoints that do have alternative lifestyles to what you walk out? Let's make space for maybe more than what our current circle looks like. As we start to heal and we're able to make space for other people, I think it's really important to look at the environments that we're in. Look at our surroundings, the people that we surround ourselves with. And it doesn't have to be necessarily like, you know, on an everyday basis, but the people that you interact with regularly, the people that impact your life regularly. What does that look like? Does everybody look the same, believe the same things, talk the same way, uh, date the same way? Or are there some differences? Is there some true diversity within your life? And as we get to that point where we're starting to, you know, heal and love those manic dogs, there comes a point where we're healed enough and we're able to actually learn from a different perspective. And I think we we villainize other perspectives way too often, unfortunately. And then we don't even try to understand how they got to that belief system. We don't know somebody else's past, right? We don't know all of the things that they've gone through. We don't know the demons that they've faced in their lives. We don't know every single event from birth to where they're at now. And so I think for us to just say, oh, you have a different perspective than I do on this big topic, 
must automatically mean that you're a bad person that I don't want to be associated with or have in my life. And I think the only thing that that's doing is limiting ourselves. So instead of trying to correct somebody who has an opposing viewpoint or who has an opposing belief system or whatever it is, what if instead we just made space in our lives for that person so we could learn from them, so we can understand their perspective, so we can understand how the world around them has impacted them and shaped them. I don't have to completely agree with somebody for them to be in my circle, for them to be somebody that I want to engage with in a kind way, because at the end of the day, they're still my neighbors and I'm still called to love them. An aspect of loving my neighbor is also being willing to understand my neighbor, but I can't do that if I don't even allow them in. I know as I'm saying all of these things, you know, healing ourselves enough to where we're able to have uncomfortable conversations with others, to where we're able to have diversity within our circle so we can learn other people's perspectives, healing in order for us to be able to be others' minds, have an others' mindset, you know, more focused on the collective well-being than my own personal well-being. I know as I say those types of things, you might be thinking, well, I I feel like I'm completely healed and yet that's still a struggle for me. Or I know I'm not completely healed and I know I have a hard time with those interactions and I don't know where to start. I, I didn't start this podcast just so that way I could have a platform to rant on. Um, I started this podcast because I genuinely want to help people become the most authentic versions of themselves. And when I say authentic version, I mean a fully healed person, fully healed mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, somebody who is living a life that's fully aligned with who they are at their core. I want to help you do that. So, um, I know last week I announced that I'm going to be stepping into a coaching role um, and my new program launches in four weeks and I'm really, really excited about it. But in the meantime, I am doing clarity calls. So if you would like to just chat, let's kind of start making kind of like a game plan, start um, learning more about who you are as a human, how you're hardwired, like the, the psychology behind your personality. Um, and, and start to take some baby steps to building a life that's more aligned with who you are, um, that actually embraces those darker aspects, those demons that may be manic still, or maybe they're not fully manic, but they're not fully trained either. I want to help you with that. So you can head over to my Instagram. Um, the clarity call link is in that bio. I'm also starting a newsletter that's going to be going out maybe like once or twice a week. Um, it's not going to be fluffy stuff, I promise. Um, mostly the newsletter is going to focus on giving you tips and encouragement throughout the week. Um, very short, very simple, keeping you up to date um, with any programs that I do have coming up that are available for you to hop into if you so choose. But uh, definitely come connect with me on social media. I want to root you on. 
Um, I want to cheer you on. I want to be here to support you. I want to help you along this process because I genuinely believe that this is the ripple effect that our world is needing. Healing ourselves and being able to give love at a higher capacity to the world around us, I think is going to have the biggest impact on our society and on our future generations moving forward. As always, I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. You've got this.